everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, a Terminator podcast where we cover any and all things Terminator. I'm your host, Michael John Petty, and with me is my co-host, Tanner Radwick. Tanner, this is a special episode today. It's something we haven't done before yet, but we're, we're excited to be here. What are we doing? We are uh, excited to talk with the host of T for Two, Uncle Casey. Uncle Casey has a YouTube channel that's completely dedicated to Terminator 2 and all things Terminator 2, whether that be toys from the time or what was buzzing during that time leading up to the release of Terminator 2. And I was just talking with Michael. I'm really excited and happy to have him on because, uh, well, it's just cool to me that he can expand so much based on one movie. Uh, Michael and I, of course, cover all things Terminator, and he and I both talked to someone recently about our Terminator podcast, and they questioned both of us, saying, how much is there to talk about Terminator? Like, <laughs> Michael and I have, of course, done this for over a year now, um, and then we have our friend Casey, who's done, you know, his show just on the second movie, which is awesome. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that we can expand even more on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Casey, like, with that, Tell us about T for Two. What is the show exactly? How did you get started, and why why Terminator Two of all movies? Yeah, it, it's funny. Like when you guys talk about like uh, you know people asking you with your podcast how much Terminator is there to cover, and then of course I get the same thing with it's. So it's just one movie. That's what your show is about. But to me, like that's honestly, it's kind of part of the joke of it. I think it's 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 funny that like this show is just obsessing over this one movie. To me that's actually supposed to be kind of funny. So I I get a kick out of it when people question that. But uh I guess it it all it all started it wasn't really something that I like intentionally set out to do out of nowhere. I uh years ago um you know T2 is my favorite movie since I was a little kid and one day I picked up uh there was an extra a copy of the Ultimate Edition DVD at mm, a half price mm. bookstore. It was on. It was like three bucks, and I thought, oh, I don't think my brother has this, so I'll pick this up for him. And then I put it on my shelf while I waited for the next time he was at my house. So I had two of them on my shelf, and then I saw, well, I've got multiples of this sitting here, and I've got the Blu-ray, and I've got the VHS tape, and I just thought it was kind of funny that I had multiple copies on that one shelf. So then I thought, I'm going to go pick up the Laserdisc, just to have it on the shelf too, so that hmm. when my brother just bought or my other, <laughs> yeah, 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 and so you know, like I've got a good friend who also loves uh, the first two Terminator films, and they know how much I love it. So I and my wife, it, I love to make her eyes roll with how much I love it, and so I thought this will be funny. I'll have the laser disc too, and then I started looking around on eBay, and one day I found the the Chinese VHS of Terminator Two that someone had for sale. I think they were like in LA, so it wasn't even an international postage thing, and it was pretty cheap. So I picked that up just for fun. And then I found a German version, and then it became this obsession. Like it was it was just supposed to be funny at first. Oh, look, I've got it in all these languages and stuff for no good reason. I have no use for these, but it was just to be funny. And then it became this weird obsession because it's, it's kind of cool when you see them all on the shelf, and it's in all the different languages on the spines of the case and stuff. And it kind of, to me too, like it's cool. Cause it shows the worldwide, like the, I don't know it, how big this movie was. Cause I came to find out there are so many of them. I've got it. My VHS tapes, I'm looking at them now and there's two shelves of them from around the world. I, I think I have like over wow. 30 different ones now 
in like from over 20 wow. different countries and like around 20 different languages. And so anyway, when I started collecting those, I thought someday I'm going to have to make a YouTube video to show these and share them because I'm sure there are going to be at least a small handful of a dozen or so people that might find this interesting and might like to see these and see how the how the, the title is translated differently on the co different countries and how some of them have totally different artwork on the cover than the classic, you know, poster art. And, and then I thought, if I'm going to do a video on this, this has been a problem I've always had in my life. Anytime that I want to do some kind of a creative project, I usually don't finish it because it blows up from this little five minutes of fun to this ridiculously overblown thing. And pretty soon I'm like, okay, this isn't even achievable anymore. And I just kind of abandon it. Mm -hmm. It's a, just a problem that I've always had. It, the same thing was happening with the stupid idea for this stupid video about these stupid VHS tapes. And then this one I actually followed through with. And I, I, I thought I could make this whole show. And then I thought my I, I could uh, you know, have this weird interaction between me and the cameraman and have this weird little conflict between us. And that could be a fun thing to work in the show. I've always loved like kind of performing because, you know, I, I play a kind of a character on the show. It's yeah. not really me. It's the host, your Uncle Casey, you know. Sure. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, so then I can perform. I can film stuff. I can uh, – uh, I love video editing, so I can edit it all together. I love researching stuff and sharing what I find with people. And so, yeah, it just kept on blowing up into this ridiculous concept of a show about one movie. That's kind of where it all came from. <laughs> That's so fun. So is the cameraman somewhat? Who is the cameraman? Uh, you know, I, he's. I, I think he's some intern that the studio hired. I don't really know. I just know that I don't like him. He's. <laughs> he has a smug attitude, uh, and or at least he comes off as smug to me. And I'm hoping that one of these days he'll just quit and we can get somebody else who's a little more professional. We'll see what happens. We will. Yeah. Bring bring back the seed corn guy. I liked him. <laughs> that was that was i i liked him too because he didn't you know roll his eyes at me and you know mock me every time i screwed something up maybe i'll but, get him back soon yeah. with the seed cord guy you wouldn't have been able to play terminator 2 the final battle game oh that's true that's true and i beat the cameraman at that too you did so that made me feel good yeah that's true <laughs> um so with Terminator 2, uh, you said it was your favorite movie ever since you were a kid. How old were you when the film came out? Uh, I was uh, right around second grade, or at least that's when I first saw it. Yeah, I was. I guess for me it was in the summer between first and second grade. And then when it came out on VHS, it was like that next spring my parents rented it. Uh, they went out to eat, they got us a babysitter, and for the night's entertainment they rented Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And so... Uh, my brothers oh, and I you. watched that and it, it was the reason I fell in love with it so much wasn't just that, you know, I mean, obviously it's still huge today because it's just such a damn good movie that like is kind of timeless. It's the greatest action film of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the greatest film of all time. <laughs> uh, forget Gone with the Wind. It, uh, I think <laughs> the bigger reason that I fell in love with it so much is simply kind of the timing that it was the first movie I ever saw that legitimately made me tear up at the end. 
And I just didn't know before that, you know, I was in second grade and to me, movies were just something that you just kind of play and it's just mindless entertainment and it doesn't really mean a whole lot. This was the first movie I saw that made me realize, holy shit, like movies can really be something bigger than that. Like they can move you and they can inspire you. And like, I just didn't realize that a movie could like move me emotionally like that before. And so I was, it just, I don't know. I was just hooked after that, you know, let alone like the, just the movie itself and the music Honestly, like I think Terminator 2 is what got me into uh, like I, I love uh, hard rock and heavy metal and stuff. And I think mm-hmm. it's because I loved the way that that soundtrack made me feel because it was so intense and heavy, sure. but also had a lot of those light, beautiful moments like a lot of heavy metal tends to do. It's like a, a mix of both. And so I yeah, the soundtrack had a huge influence on me. Um, How amazing because you got to talk to Brad Fidel. Oh man, yeah, that was that was so cool, and that was really, honestly, just a coincidence of timing too. I I saw I have followed him on Instagram, and he never posted anything. I just saw that he had an account, and I followed him, and then one day I got a notification that he made a post, and it was about that musical that was coming out. Yeah, I was like, oh, here's my excuse. I sent him a message. I said, hey, if you want, I could promote this on my show, which is only about Terminator Two, so it's only people who love your music and know your name, and uh, and he was like, okay, yeah, sounds great. Otherwise, from what I understand, he, he's not very active on social media. He wasn't really before that. And then once that stuff kind of died down and his musical came out, I don't think he's really been active since then. So, like, it was just a lucky coincidence that I got to get him on there. I'm hoping so to get him on again someday if uh, if he ever gets his – um uh, that uh, Terminator Live. Terminator Live. Yeah. Yeah. If he gets that going again, especially if he can get it going in the States and have a few showings like in maybe Chicago or LA or something. Um, at least he said when I was talking to him that he'd be happy to come back when he gets that out. So that'd be cool because then we could focus more on that. You know, when I was talking yeah. to him that first time, we were kind of focusing on his musical because I wanted to be nice to him and help actually promote that and not just ignore it and talk about totally. T2. So. So anyway, yeah. Well, I was going to say it was really cool hearing from him talk about um, – he, he was talking about how he didn't have social media, you know, back when Terminator 2 came out. So he had like this delayed response of hearing about how much people praised it and how much it meant to him because it really is one of the best music scores I can think of, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's way, way up there. So to, it was really neat for him to hear him talk about how now that he has social media – even 20 years later, you know, he's still hearing about it. I just, yeah, I love that interview. It was great. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I, 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 that, that has to feel great for him. Like, like you just said with the social media thing, seeing not just an immediate response, but 20 years later, like, holy shit, all these people loved this movie, not just for the movie, but for my score. And they still love it for that. That had to feel really cool for him. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I, I don't know a ton about, you know, the, the movie industry and, and how some of that stuff works. But like, to me, I would imagine a lot of times, unless you're John Williams or one of the top, top composers, you, you just, you don't get recognized often uh, either just in person or even like in the industry itself, you mm-hmm. know, for, for how much they really affect how good a movie is and how well it works. So especially like, you know, from the point of view of the fans more than anything. So I, yeah, I bet that was pretty cool for him. So the the social media thing. So have you been collecting T two merchandise then since you were a kid? Did you like did you have those action figures when you were in second grade or the game or any of that or how long has that been going on? 
Yeah, um, a lot of this stuff, like like that final battle fighting game and different things, I picked up later as an adult because, you know, once you're an adult, I've got this money and I can do what I want with it. So I'm going to go buy a bunch of shit I don't need that my parents wouldn't buy me. But but when I, I was a kid, that. yeah, we did have uh, – we had several of the figures from the Kenner toy line, the, the handheld LCD game uh, that I covered. My, my younger brother had that. We had uh, – Oh, let's see. I don't. I don't quite have it in reach to grab to show on screen. But if you're familiar with Battle Trolls, there was the Terminator mm-hmm. uh, parody kind of Battle Troll figure. We had that. So um, yeah, we had some stuff for sure. Yeah, it wasn't until I got older that I really, and especially with this show, since I once I got the idea for this show, my collecting and hoarding of Terminator garbage has skyrocketed because I, it's really. It's really important to me for this show that I'm not just showing images superimposed on the screen. Any physical mm-hmm. item that I talk about that I could possibly have, unless it's ridiculously expensive, I want to have it in hand so I can yeah. show it physically on the screen so that the audience kind of feels like they're looking at it with me. So, yeah, I, I went from uh, before the show, I maybe had one Rubbermaid totes worth of Terminator stuff, and now I think I have like nine or something. Yeah, and, and my wife's tolerated it so far. Are we talking hundreds of individual items, or are we in the thousands now, or what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually started a spreadsheet a little while back just because I'm a nerd about that stuff, and I thought it'll be kind of fun to – and plus it's just easier to keep track of what I don't do and don't totally. have because I look at so much stuff online, and there are some things that I'm still wanting to get, but I don't want to pay the outrageous prices that sometimes people ask for them, and then, of mm-hmm. course, they don't end up selling them sometimes. Because Anyway, uh, so it's nice to be able to keep track of that stuff and keep track of how much I've spent over the years, which is, I don't know why I do that, because that just makes my wallet hurt. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I the last I was looking at that and putting in the last couple of things I picked up, I think it was like around 900 some. Wow. Wow. I, I used to be that way with comic books. I have, um, oh my gosh, I have probably somewhere between six and ten long boxes full of individual oh, wow. comic books. And that was before I moved out here to L.A. So that is all still in Montana, my parents' place. And uh, now here in L.A., I have at least half a long box full already just of individual comics I bought since living here in L.A. So yeah. <laughs> So I, t- I totally understand. Um, I'm trying hard to not do that, but we <laughs> I got Tanner into it too. I got him collecting Star Wars comic books. <laughs> oh really? Yep. Yep. That's I have a fun. really bad collective personality. So I have a I have a ton of the current Star Wars line, but my other thing is retro video games. Yep. So I, oh, I collect yeah. a ton of that. That's and that, that you're exactly right. It's one of those things where like you don't quite get it out of your system when you're a kid. Your parents maybe didn't buy you just quite enough of that stuff. So then when you have your yeah. own money, then it's like now I have an unhealthy obsession with it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can totally relate that that collective. Like when when you're that type of a person who likes to see all of the items that go together in one place. So you want to gather them all together. Yes. Yeah, that's uh. That's what's made this um, VHS collecting obsession of mine so difficult because as far as I know, there doesn't exist anywhere like a list of how many countries uh, T2 was released in on home video and how many languages it was translated into. I mean, if there is such a list buried somewhere in the the 
dead Karolko archives or something, you know, I, I've never heard of it. And so I don't know, like, when I'm going to be done. Like, I know that I know of a few other tapes from other countries that exist that I just don't have yet. But every now and then I'll, I'll learn of some new one. And, you know, I guess once I get to the point that I haven't heard of any new ones for a good 10 years, then I'll feel like, okay, maybe I have all or most of them. But like, I'll never know for sure. So it that makes it kind of tough for that collective personality thing, you know? It's it's kind of like Pokemon, you know? You got to catch them all, but you don't know how many there are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, these other tapes, are they are they dubbed in or are they subtitles or is it a mix or... Yeah, it's a mix. I've learned a lot of interesting stuff. Like, it depends on the country. Like, um, there are, like in Japan, most people in Japan, it's just, it, it's a cultural thing. It depends on kind of the culture in most countries or in some of them, kind of the laws. But like in Japan, they prefer to hear the original actor's vocal performance. So subtitling is more popular in Japan. But some people, mm -hmm. probably people, you know, for, for those who are either a little bit younger or maybe just a little less educated or something, they do release dubbed tapes in Japan, too. They're just a lot more rare. Mm -hmm. So I have the subtitled yeah. T2 release and I have the dubbed release. Um, but then in other countries, like in Italy, and I'm not 100%, it's been a little while since I was reading about this, so I don't remember it, like, super sharply, but I just know that they were, like, in the 80s or so, and I think that kind of still stands today, where, like, they, whoever the Italian, like, prime minister was uh, when home video started to get really big, or I think maybe just the movie industry, because it wasn't just home video, but movies in Italy, he, he didn't want outside languages coming in, he wanted people in Italy really immersed in Italian culture, so, like, in Italy, there, my understanding is there is only dubbing in Italy. So the Italian version wow. is dubbed over in, in Italian. Um, the French version that I covered in that French episode, that was all dubbed over. Yep. Um, and you like that John Connor better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, parts of it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool how, like how dark he came off, you know, which to me kind of fits a character who is burdened with that weird fate of his, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, not that Edward Furlong, you know, I, I mean, he sounded great too. He sounded a little more vulnerable, I guess, you know, yeah. because he, his voice sounded a little bit younger. But so, I, I mean, I really like them both. But yeah, that French one, I thought was really interesting to hear. I can't wait to hear more of these because honestly, most of these I haven't even digitized yet. So a lot of them, I don't even know wow. how they sound yet. Uh, and I some of them, I don't even know if they're dubbed or subtitled. The ones that are subtitled are going to make for shorter episodes because we don't have to go through and, you know, really review much. But um, so it'll be fun to see as we go along because... The audience will be learning, as I do, which of these countries are dubbed and which are subtitled and then getting to see, uh, you know, like some of them, like that French one was obviously they put a lot of money into hiring a bunch of voice actors to, you know, redo all of the dialogue. Right. But like I know some of the, the Russian, I think I popped in a Russian tape one time. No, it was the Polish one. And that one, it's just kind of cheaply done on a much lower budget where one guy who understands English is sitting there with the microphone and as he's hearing all the dialogue in the movie, he's repeating it back in Polish. So it's just like recorded right oh, wow. over the top. So, so that'll be a boring one. Cause you know, there aren't really performances on it. I'll probably just play one or two little clips and then we'll move on, you know, but sure. Anyway, it'll be fun. Huh? That's so interesting. I, I bet you find out a lot of weird, interesting facts about other countries, too, while learning all that. So, like, obviously, all that stuff you're talking about about Italy, I, I wouldn't have known that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's It's been really fun. And you're right. Like, I I have learned way more than I ever expected 
to just about different cultural stuff. You know, like we talked about, I'll have to keep referring to the French one since that's the only one that I've really like done in depth so far. But like, you know, just even learning about uh, how the movie theater culture is different and how popcorn isn't big over there so much. But like they're into ice cream when they watch movies and learning stuff like that to me has been fascinating because I love movies. And so to learn about how they are enjoyed in other countries to me is just fun stuff. And that's kind of been my mantra with this show. If, If I find it interesting somebody else out there will likely find this weird crap interesting. But yeah, I, I have learned a lot about that stuff. And like like the, the Italian stuff, for example, I've met a lot of people and there's this guy I've become really good friends with through Instagram who is in Italy. And so he's told me a lot about how the Italian stuff works. Um, I met a guy in Thailand who's a huge Terminator 2 fan and has an incredible collection of stuff. He actually helped me get my Thai VHS tapes and I mailed him some of the USA VHS tapes and so I've learned a lot from him about how things work in Thailand and it's been way more fun and interesting than just recording some weird crap and throwing it on YouTube I've actually learned a lot and I've met a lot of people and it's been a lot of fun it really is something else entirely to watch a movie from a different country but then to watch a movie in a different country I've uh, I've only seen one movie in a different country than America and that is War of the Planet of the Apes I was in Amsterdam at the time when it came out, and really? so we were. My brother and I, we really wanted to go. We had loved the first two of the new prequel Planet of the Apes trilogy, and we were like, we have to yeah. go see the new one. And so we went, and we we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. We were like, maybe yeah. there will be subtitles, maybe not. Um, but the way that they do it is they did. Um, I, th- I think it's they speak Dutch up there. That, that yeah, could that be sounds right. right. That could be incorrect. I, I think that's right. They had those subtitles over the movie, and then they watch all of their movies in English. And it's a huge cultural thing for them there because that actually helps them learn English is through watching movies. And so we were watching the movie in English, and then all these subtitles were in Dutch, which is confusing when you go see a Planet of the Apes movie because a lot of times the apes are speaking in sign language to each other. Oh, so you, if you don't know sign language, like my brother and I, you really have to infer based on how they're interacting what is actually going on in those scenes. And in War of the Planet of the Apes, out of all of them, it probably has the least dialogue of any in the trilogy. And so it, <laughs> it was a lot of us trying to figure out what is happening. And then we, we, you know, we watched it when it came out on Blu-ray years, not years later, months later. And we were like, oh, that makes more sense. That's what that meant. Yeah. So you're saying that the movie was, it still had the original English audio. The English audio was dubbed in uh, their languages, subtitles, but then the sign language was also in their language and was not yes. in English. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. It was a very unique experience that probably we would only have gotten with a movie like that. But it was very cool because. You know, it's the only film we had seen out of the country. So it was just, it was such a, a unique experience. And it was like midnight. I mean, we were there super late. Their theater was open way later than we should have even been up, but we really wanted to go. So <laughs> we yeah, made it happen. Great movie. Uh, do you remember anything else interesting about like the theater itself? Like how anything worked like with uh, the concessions or anything like that? Or was it kind of similar to the way it is here? It. As far as what I remember, it was pretty similar. I, I think there was popcorn machines. We might have even gotten popcorn. It, it's been, I don't know, probably five or six years now, if not a little more or less. But um, but yeah, I don't remember anything uniquely different other than that with the subtitles and how they, 
how they watch their movies. But to be fair, we were in Amsterdam, so maybe they were catering to a more international audience anyway with their theater. I'm not really sure. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that could um, be. That might not be representative of the Netherlands as a whole, but yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. You know, I, now that you mentioned um, it, I do. So I have the, the Dutch VHS of T2. And uh, and I'm good friends with the guy in the Netherlands. And yeah, he did tell me because I asked him the the Dutch VHS is in English audio with subtitles. And I asked him, like, is there an audio dubbed version that I should be looking for? And he said, no, for the most part, unless it's a children's VHS tape or children's movie, uh, everything in the Netherlands is left in its original um, audio and and dubbed over or uh, subtitled. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense then for War of the Planet of the Apes, too. Since we are talking about different versions of the film, uh, Casey, what is your preferred version of T2? Do you like the extended or the theatrical version? You know, I kind of I kind of I tend to vacillate a little bit on that one, because for me, like for years, once I first saw the, the, the extended version with all those restored scenes, I was just blown away by how, how much that added to a movie that I had seen so many times. Cause I didn't see it till the ultimate edition mm-hmm. uh, DVD came out and uh, mm-hmm. picked that up on, in, in the early days of eBay. I picked that up off of eBay and it was cool. Cause the seller included, he, he typed out and printed out a little thing of how to access the, the extended version on there with the little secret code and oh, stuff that you put cool. in that DVD. But uh uh, so when I first saw that, I was like, wow, this adds a whole bunch of really cool stuff to this movie I already love. So that was the version I watched for years. And I still really like it. But over the years, I don't know. Sometimes I do. I, I kind of see why Cameron cut out some of that stuff. I love those scenes. But um, but the theatrical version as it was released in 91, it is a little tighter. And um, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, I, I guess I appreciate both a lot. And it just kind of depends on my mood. I my wife hasn't yet seen the extended version because I when we first got together she had never seen T two, and I thought I'm gonna let her experience that extended version the way I did. So we've been watching yeah. the standard version for years, and one of these days we're gonna sit down and mm-hmm. watch the extended edition to see what she thinks of those scenes, and so I can kind of relive that through her. We'll see what yeah. that's like. I I totally get that. I uh, my favorite movie of all time is The Iron Giant, and. Uh, couple of years back they re-released it calling it the signature edition and they released it into the theaters and i went to both showings because i'm like i have to see this movie in the theater i was too young apparently when it came out which isn't even a real thing because i saw phantom menace at four years old so i'm like how did that even Uh, how did i miss that in the theater but um so i went twice and they add two scenes to the film um they had a scene between uh, the main character's mom and the scrapyard dealer and they add an extended version of the giant while he's sleeping. He dreams of where he came from and his origins and some oh, of the scary wow. elements to yeah. that. And these are deleted scenes that they had talked about for years. They were a part of the, the DVD special features where they showed storyboards and stuff, but they actually restored them and fully animated them for the signature edition. And oh, so they weren't even finished yet. No, 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 no. Wow. But they did it for this release. Um, wow. Super cool. That's cool. I, I, I love that version because it adds to the giant's fears with the dream and all that but at the same time i really understand why they cut that and it's just it doesn't need to be in the movie it's just a nice little addition to the movie that i think i wouldn't appreciate as much if i didn't 
know the original beforehand. So in that same vein, you know, I am, I will pretty much always watch the special edition of T2 because I'm like, oh, I can watch the movie longer. I love that. Um, And I really do like the scenes and especially because we're really big Sarah Connor Chronicles fans. um, There's some stuff in there that really relates to that show and that they pull in that show, such as taking out the chip out of the T-800's head and reprogramming him before putting it back in. That's a huge part of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And so I I love all of that stuff. Um, But at the same time, I don't know if I'd love it as much if I didn't watch the theatrical beforehand. So I really like your point there. Um, that if I hadn't seen that for years, maybe I wouldn't like this version nearly as much. And it is a tighter film. The The theatrical is a tighter film. Um, I definitely would start people that's out That's why I like that. it. And that, yeah, and that's why Tanner likes it. So Tanner prefers the theatrical. I generally prefer the special edition, but we, we have this debate a lot on the show. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. And it's a fun <laughs> thing to talk about. And yeah. I, I want to say, too, this is something that most people would never really give a shit about, so I'm just wasting everybody's time. But... I just have to point out, I'm really glad that you guys don't call it the director's cut because so many people call it that. But James Cameron cut those scenes himself. The theatrical yeah. edition is the director's cut. So I, I know it shouldn't bother mm. me, but it just drives me nuts when people call it the director's cut. <laughs> You're totally I think the first time I saw it was on the Skynet edition Blu-ray. That okay, came out in the yeah. early 2010s, right? Um, I think around there. Maybe around Salvation. Yeah, that one might I, – I, 2008 or something is kind of my guess. But – Something like that. Which is a nice Blu-ray. I really like that set. Um, So how do you feel about the other Terminator sequels? Because obviously you only talk about Terminator 2. I'm assuming you're a big fan. (laughs) I'm assuming you're a big fan of the original too. Yeah, absolutely. But have you seen anything post T2 or do you, like, how do you feel about? You mean like, uh, you mean like just other movies? I mean, I've seen like the Planet of the Apes movies. Those are post T2. I've seen those. (laughs) Um, I've seen a lot of stuff post T2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's my favorite movie, but I didn't (laughs) stop watching movies in 1991. You know, yeah. So I've seen a lot of other post T2 stuff. This is how I feel about the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. See what you do. (laughs) Yeah, that that brings up a lot of bad feelings. Yeah, I also have a bad feeling about this. (laughs) But yeah, so, um, all right, fine. Uh, Let's at least talk about it. You don't have to talk about it for long. Just a little bit. Yeah, no, no, really. It, it's fine. It's <laughs> it's really more of, I just like to have fun with that. When Terminator 3 came out, I went and saw it in theaters, <laughs> and I loved it, and I was really excited about it. When it came out on, um, did I own that on VHS, or did I have a D? I uh, know I, I had that on DVD, yeah. Um, when that came out, I bought the DVD, and I watched it a lot. And I really liked it. And then gradually over time, within over that next year, I started to kind of realize, oh, God, that, that talk to the hand thing is so goddamn lame. But it's okay. The rest of the movie is good. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the, with him putting on the sunglasses so everybody can go, ha-ha, look how silly he looks. I was like, God, that, that's really – that's kind of demeaning the character. But that's okay. The rest of the movie is fine. And I kept on finding more and more of those before I finally, maybe about a year and a half or so after it came out, I realized, man, I was really in denial. I was just really excited to have new Terminator content. <laughs> and, you know, mm. at that point, I hadn't experienced bad Terminator content. So it just, it's new, it's fresh Terminator stuff, it's fun, it's good. And and I just realized eventually, no, I, I really, I don't like this. And I haven't seen the movie since. Um, there's just, yeah, there's more and more stuff. That, so I, I 
And I can't say, I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's just obviously not as good as those first two, and it doesn't quite sure. feel right. I will say, like, I, I like um, how, oh, what's, the, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the guy who did the score, it's different. He didn't just copy Brad Fidel. Yeah. I like the score for it, how he did something different. It felt a little fresher, but it still, it, I feel like the score fit the movie really well. I, I like the score. I agree. Um, there was just, there was, there were too many little, silly one-liners and stuff so too many plays on i'll be back and she'll be back and i'm back and all this shit um mm-hmm. the weird like it electronic... parody itself yeah it started to say like because i love making jokes about the movies that doesn't mean that i you know i'm making fun of them i just like to turn it into so like my younger brother and i i remember one time we stayed up super late we had t2 in the v8 vcr in my bedroom and uh during like the the that those final few scenes, it took us like over an hour to finish the movie because we kept pausing it and saying, "Oh, what if he said this now?" And you know, what if the there's there's one more chip and it turns out he's talking about. I remember we found this funny at the time we were kids. We were talking about how he pulls out a bag of potato chips. He's like, "There's one more chip and it must be destroyed also." So he eats it, you know. And then he's like, "Wait, there's more chips." <laughs> You know, and then he's eating these. And John and Sarah are just kind of sitting there looking at him, just kind of waiting like, okay, yeah, we get it. There's more chips, you know. And then we've continued watching the movie. They go to hug each other. We pause it. We're like, wait a minute. What if the only reason he's hugging him is because he's he's wiping his greasy ass potato chip fingers on the back of John's jacket? We're (laughs) laughing about that. But then to have the movie actually making fun of itself in the movie. That's different. And that doesn't that that doesn't work for me. And so. Yeah, all the jokes in T3, as I noticed them more and more over the years, they bothered me. And then, of course, Terminator Genesis is just full of them. My younger brother compared uh, – he, the way he described it is as those movies went on, they turned Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator into the family dog, the, 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 the pet who is funny. Because it's it's like he's it's like he's their pet. He's their yeah. goofy pet who like doesn't know any better, and so he does dumb things, and it's yeah. funny, and that just kind of ruins it for me. It's not like these have to take themselves super seriously. There are some very funny moments in the Terminator and T two, but they're not at the expense of the characters or at the expense of the story. Yeah, we talk about this a lot on our show. We talk about how the original Terminator is very much a horror movie. And when you get to T2, it subverts your expectation by becoming an action movie. And it's because where John and Sarah, I'm actually currently writing a Collider article all about this. Um, we, uh, we talk about how Sarah and John, or Sarah and Kyle, sorry, in the Terminator, you know, they're on defense. They're running from the Terminator. They're not, they're not taking the fight to Skynet. But in the second movie, when they go on their offense and they decide, hey, we're going to stop this from ever happening it, it couldn't be a horror movie. It has to be an action movie. Like, that's just, that's the way it is because you can't have your horror characters on offense the whole movie or else it's not really, there's no, it's not as scary. And so, but every Terminator sequel post T2 tries not to imitate the Terminator or subvert your expectations of the Terminator, but it tries to imitate T2 or parody T2. And, you know, Genesis out of all of them is our least favorite, I think. Um, and it's because, Genesis itself suffers from this current Hollywood blockbuster mindset of everything needs to be a Marvel movie. Um, and and that's exactly what Terminator Genesis is. I mean, they even had Thor, the Dark World director, Alan Taylor, who directed the film. So it's like, it, it you know, it, it feels like a Marvel movie and it's, it's obvious why. Whereas something like Dark Fate feels a lot like T2, but 
kind of craps all over it in the same way that Alien 3 craps on Aliens. And so yeah. it's, it's so interesting um, that they all are trying to imitate T2 as opposed to doing what T2 did by subverting your expectations from the first film. And so yeah. it's, just, it's just very interesting. But, I mean, we like T3 and Terminator Salvation for the most part, um, especially compared to the other four or the other two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, T3 is more parody than it is anything else, honestly, in, in some respects. So, Yeah, and, and I mean, there are a lot of things. I've been meaning to go back and watch T3 again because I think over the years I've made it in my head worse than it is because I focused on the parts of it that I don't like. And I know that there are a lot of really cool things about that movie. I like the idea of, uh, of the, the Terminator's CPU getting corrupted by a virus. Yeah. You know? There, there are a lot of really cool things in there. Um, John's arc is incredible. I love John's arc in that movie too. And it, it, they continue that very well. I don't know if you've ever seen Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but they, but they continue it very well. I think that the, those themes in that show and they expand on that and actually make it better. So it, that wouldn't have happened without T3, I think. Yeah. I think that really about the only thing that I don't like about John in T3 is the way that Nick Stahl plays the character, and that could just be the director's fault. I, he seems, I mean, I, you know, it's not like I'm angry at him for it. But I just, I don't like how he's so perpetually bewildered throughout the movie. He's constantly just like, oh, you know. Uh, like when he first, uh, um, and some of the stuff, like when he first uh, is riding in that pickup with the Terminator, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's like, he, he asks him something like, what, do you guys just come off an assembly line? And it's like, what? You know they do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some of that stuff, it just really, I don't know, it, it just, it, it, that, that bugs me. But but anyway, I mean, again, there are a lot of good things about the movie. I just have to re revisit that movie so that I can remember some of those good things about it. You you can't watch it too much. It, I used to say, and Tanner always made fun of me about this, I used to say out of all of them, it was the one I could watch the most just because it's so straightforward. It's, it was the most rewatchable to me for whatever reason. Um, I think and, so too. And I think it's because it isn't as heavy, but it's it still feels like Terminator and it's still fun. And so, but not in, yeah. fun in the same way that Genesis tries to be where it's like over yeah. the top, like joke action-y. Um, it's not like that exactly, but I mean, it is parody in another sense, but, um, but now we've watched it so many times. I'm like, I don't know. I, I maybe need a little bit of a break before watching it again and then I'll appreciate it again. But I'll, I'll just throw out one thing next time that you guys do watch T3. There's one thing that I noticed after the, I don't know, 20th time that I watched it when I was still enjoying it at that time that sticks out to me like a sore thumb and I cannot get past it now. But when um, that first big chase sequence where she's driving that big, like, crane rig, yeah. he's on, like, the police bike for a while and different stuff, which that chase sequence I think is really terrific. I love how there's no music for the mm -hmm. whole thing, just hearing the sounds mm -hmm. of their vehicles. Yeah. To me, that, that was kind of a ballsy thing to just have no big, intense music. I really like that. But anyway, what I'm getting to, beside the fact that um, – that, I think there are like over 30 tires that end up flying around during that scene. If you count them when that rig finally like flips over or whatever and blows up mixed in with, in the audio with the, the sound of the explosion, there's this big, like cougar growl. There's this big wow, yeah. cougar. It drives me nuts. The first time I noticed <laughs> it, I was like, what the hell? I rewound it. And I was like, holy shit. That's like a, there's a, there's a cougar growling. 
and now I, I can't unhear it every time I hear that. I'm like, why is that they, in there? They play that. They play that exact same effect when the Terminator is te- when the TX is testing out her flamethrower arm. Oh yeah. They play it again. Okay, I'll have to now. See now, that's gonna drive me nuts whenever I hear that too. I hadn't <laughs> noticed it in that part. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. It's so that's weird. Hilarious. Yeah, just flame in that movie is a cougar growl. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's weird. So it's like you're at a, it's like you're at a football game with the cats or something. Yeah. <laughs> one of uh one of the things we cover probably the most in depth here on No Fate, and it's just because we do it episode by episode, is the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. How do you feel that compares to T2? How do you feel that that honors the film? Or do you feel that that honors the film? What What are your thoughts on the show? Um. So, I, yeah, when that first came out, I, I was excited about it, and I watched it all the way through. I was disappointed that it didn't really get – they didn't get the chance to have a good proper ending on it. But I agree. I only ever watched it that one time through. Since then, I've bought them on Blu-ray, and I've been meaning to start watching them with my wife. And I haven't yet. So honestly, I don't remember the series that well, which is exciting for me because I'll get to revisit it from scratch. That's totally. why like, with you, I've been in, enjoying you guys' podcast right up until you started those. And I was like, okay, now I'm just going to save these. And then after I start watching the show, then I'm going to go back and I'll be you'll, – you'll see all those episodes get more hits <laughs> because I'll be going back and listening to those. But yeah, so I remember that I did enjoy the show and I did feel like it respected those original films. I, I was – really impressed by their brilliant way of like time jumping past the events of T3. Yes. And just being mm-hmm. like, okay, this mm-hmm. the fans don't enjoy this movie as much. We're just going to kind of skip this. I thought that was really brilliant. And um, I, I think one of the main things that I kind of wish was different about it was I, I didn't really like, uh, well, not that I didn't like, but I just wasn't crazy about Lena Headey, uh, the way that she plays Sarah Connor. I know that Sarah Connor has been through a lot of shit, but like to me, she almost plays her a little bit too cold Mm. because by the end of T2, she, she starts to warm up a little bit and she starts to be a little bit more motherly toward John and stuff and show more concern for him just as her son, as opposed to just this future leader of the world who I have to protect. And she, to me, she just comes off as too icy cold, but like uh, Thomas Decker, the way he plays John, I, I liked that. Yeah, overall, I, I remember really liking it, and I liked how they they got a little artistic with it every now and then. Yeah. Like when um, I think it's I think that character is the one who's named Cromarty, the one who uh, is the Terminator. Yeah. Who he there's that um, FBI raid or whatever in the motel yep, he's staying him. in. And he just slaughters all of them, and they they start playing "The Man Comes Around" by yeah. Johnny Cash which is such a weird out of nowhere musical choice but it it works and it's different it's not just some dramatic intense action music i i just thought that was so cool and i love the way that that played out and so things like that made me really enjoy that show i really liked overall i really liked the sarah connor chronicles and i'm really excited to revisit again and then to listen to you guys podcast as i go through that series well, we try really hard to avoid spoilers on the show, so when you watch it, you can listen episode by episode and probably be okay, which is great. Yeah, yeah, that, I'm excited to do that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we obviously love the show, and it is it is very interesting, The some of the choices. What I really like about it is you go into it, or a lot of people, I'd say this is probably why they don't like it, but I like this, is they go into it expecting an action show, 
um, just like T2. And it's not. It's it's not, They have some great action sequences, but that's not the focus. It's very much about this carrying over the same themes from T2 and exploring those and dissecting those even further. And, and that's honestly what makes the show so great. And that's what gives us so much to talk about. If it was just an action show, I don't even know if we could do a podcast just about each, every episode, but because every episode has its own, you know, beginning, middle and end. And it was, it's from an era of TV where, you know, you still had complete arcs in a whole episode while you could still do serialized stuff. Very cool. Very, I mean, obviously we love it. Otherwise we wouldn't keep talking about it. Yeah. And and I agree with all of that. Um, Like the, for me, what makes Terminator 2 so great, the action sequences can't be beat. They're so good. They're so, you care so much because of the characters and what's going on. They're so good. But that's not what makes the movie for me. For me, what makes the movie is the quiet moments in between, like when they're hanging out in the desert and just kind of trying to get ready yep. so that they can move out and the quiet music that's playing there, Sarah reflecting on what's going on in this bizarre relationship that her son's developing with this killer robot. All that kind of stuff to me is what makes all those action scenes matter and it's what makes the movie so enjoyable for me. And so the Sarah Connor Chronicles, it was exactly what I wanted it to be because it is like it really dwells in a lot of those in-between moments, you know, what these people are going through between all this while, you know. So, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I, You know, I mean, of course, there are things that could have been better. But, I mean, overall, compared to all the other stuff we've gotten after T2, I, I can't complain about anything with the Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> That's how we feel too. <laughs> do you have um? Do you have a favorite episode of your show? I know we're we're switching gears a little bit, but do you? Is there a episode that you have released so far that is that is your favorite and why? Yeah, it's kind of weird to be honest. I hate all of them, <laughs> and it's and that, that's that's kind of the truth because it's hard for me because like so, and I I I'm not comparing my goofy little show to Pink Floyd, but. Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, um, during a documentary of Dark Side of the Moon, he talked about how him and the band, they never, they don't get to experience the album for the first time Mm. like everybody else does because they're spending all this time writing the stuff and then recording it and then going through and touching it up and producing it and stuff. So by the time it's done, they already know it all and they've heard it all and there isn't this big, you know, listen through and experience of the entire album and I know it's silly to compare my show to that, but for this show, part of it is my own fault because I'm such a I, I'm such a, an obsessive over little details, and I'm such a perfectionist and stuff, and I, I can't just kind of do it quickly and, and release it. Yeah. So you know, I write it all out, and I do all the whatever the topic is. I do everything I can to make. I want to make each episode. If I'm covering a topic, I want it to be as comprehensive as possible. For me, one of the worst things is if I release an episode. Uh, like say when I did the the episode about the Hollywood premiere in '91, if I release that episode and then six months later, some great photo comes out from that premiere that I didn't see that I couldn't include in the episode, to me that I hate that because I want to make each topic like I want people to be able to watch the show and be like, okay, if I'm going to watch an episode that this guy puts out about one of these topics. I know that no stone is going to be unturned and I'm going to learn everything possible about whether it's that premiere or that final battle fighting game or the action figure liner or whatever. So anyway, as I said before we started recording, I tend to ramble. My point is I put as much work as I can into making it as comprehensive as possible. That's before I even start gathering up whatever props I might need for that episode. 
and then recording it. And when I record it too, I try to make it look like I'm just casually talking and it's all in one shot. But really, almost everything in every episode, there's almost never one single take and then yeah. I'm done because I'll deliver my lines for the intro and then I'm like, you know, I'd kind of like to put a little bit more emphasis on this word because I want people, I want to make sure that people catch this for later or whatever. So I'll do it again. But then I don't quite get the lines right. I don't want it to look like I'm reading anything. So I memorize all the lines and it takes a while to get it all right and get it all smooth so that it doesn't look like I'm thinking and trying to remember stuff. So it's many, many takes. That's my own fault, really, because I'm so picky. And then once I've done those many, many takes, I've got a ton of footage to go through. Yeah. Each of these episodes, I mean, I usually, for like a five-minute episode, I might have an hour's worth of footage that I then have to go through all that and pick out all, okay, I think this is the best take for this line and stuff. Get all that stuff, put it all together. Then I start trimming it up nice so it's tight and doing the different little angles and whatever, punching in and punching out, and then uh, start overlaying the text, putting in the music, and then putting in uh, whatever little special effects things that I'm doing. And, And a lot of that stuff I'm learning as I go because... You know, I I love video editing, but I didn't really do much of it except for just a few little personal, you know, family projects before this. So all the special effects and stuff and green screen stuff I'm learning as I go. So it takes way more work than if I actually knew what I was doing. No, absolutely. Yeah. So so by the the point I'm getting to is by the time I'm done with one of these and I put it out, I've been through it and I've heard it all. I've heard my own voice so many times. The little jokes that I put in. When I first write the stuff, I wouldn't put it in if I didn't think it was funny. But by the time I'm done, I've heard it so many times, I don't know if it's funny anymore. Because to me, it's not funny anymore. So by the time (laughs) I'm actually uploading it to YouTube, I'm thinking, oh, God, is anybody going to find this funny? Is this actually interesting? Do I go on too long on this part of the the video? Should I trim some of that stuff out? And then I I, I usually, by the time I upload one of these, I've decided this might be my worst one yet. And then I upload it and then it feels so good when the comments start to come in because sure. then it's like, okay, I, I must have done this one right because people seem to be enjoying it. Um, so as far as your question about my favorite episode, I guess I think the one that I'm most proud of so far is the one about the cigar biker character yep. and, and the actor who played him because the second half of that episode, I'm not in it. It's just all those people who knew him and worked with him talking about him. And I, I love the way that that came together. Um it's a very cool that was episode. so great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, yeah, I'm so happy with that. And I, God, I'm just so gracious to the, the people who were willing to talk to me about that. And it was so easy to get them to talk to me about it because they, they loved that guy, you know? Yeah. And so they were happy to be able to talk about him and to have an excuse to talk about him. And so I'm really happy with that one. I, I hope in the future, it, it it's funny in a way, like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to top that one. And I've got like dozens and dozens more episodes planned. And I, I started, that was the eighth episode, and I'm like, Shit, it's all going to be downhill from here. I don't think I'm going to stop So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I hope that mm-hmm. I, I still, that's one of my favorite things about the show. Any excuse that I have to get into those kind of uh, human interest things and get into yeah. you know, more you know, kind of emotional stuff. I love any excuse to get into that, but I'm not going to do it unless there's a good, you know, valid reason to. But um, well, I, otherwise, aside from that one, one of my favorites is the most recent one about the the sour candy. I Yeah, I can't believe you ate that. What were you thinking? <laughs> I was blown away. <laughs> what I was He's thinking He's not going to eat this, is he? <laughs> what I was thinking was if I don't eat this, the audience is going to be disappointed. It's fair. <laughs> I need to I need to instill faith in me that as their host I will deliver. 
and I'm willing to do anything to entertain these people who I can't even see because there's no actual audience when I'm filming. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. That one to me was one of the most fun in just the simplest terms of being fun episodes because it's about candy and we're looking at all these different weird candies from the nineties. And I just liked the way that that one came together, even though I kind of knew that it wasn't going to get a ton of views and it hasn't, it's, it was one of the, of the most recent episodes. It was one of the least viewed. I kind of saw that coming and I was okay with that because I thought the people who do see this one, I think they're going to enjoy it because it's a lot of fun. And so, yeah, that one's one of my favorites too, just because it's silly and, but this this next one I'm really excited about because um, I think this will be one of those ones, I think, that might get a lot more views just because this one. So where the Cigar Biker one was the first in a series that's sure. going to be, you know, each one of those is going to be about some minor character that we're going to really dig into and look into the actor and stuff or actress. Um, this next one is the first in a similar series. Instead of character profiles, it's weapon profiles. Mm. And we're finally look at the mm. 1887 shotgun and um the history behind that shotgun and uh, uh looking at how it's depicted in the film and stuff and talking about that flip cock maneuver and how that works and tanner's been waiting for it oh well well i i hope it oh, i love it i i hope that it i hope it lives <laughs> what you're hoping for um and it's funny because i i filmed it uh i've probably had it filmed for nine months and had been working on it and it would be out by now but then when our baby showed up i got pretty busy there for a while but i just finally uh, you know i'm i'm figuring out how to reorganize my life a little bit so that i have more time to work on these and so i've been just lately i started being able to work on it a little bit more so hopefully it won't be too long before that one is finished and then after that i'm going to take a break from some of these big long topics and start focusing on smaller ones because there are, are a lot of smaller topics too, but lately I've been doing a lot of those big ones. You know, this shotgun is a is a bigger one, and um, like that uh, that Japanese press book ended up being kind of a long one. And yep. I want to dig into more of those short little fun topics where it won't take me near as long to put it together. So then I'll have time to do more of these and get them out more often. And uh, and they're just more fun to put together too because I'm not spending months and months trying to get them all edited together and then hating myself and getting sick of my face and you know all that. So. So yeah, that's kind of where things are now. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. T- Tanner and I were film majors in college, and so I had to watch myself on camera quite a bit throughout my four years, and it was it was awful. So when I started guest acting and stuff in other people's projects, it's a lot more fun because I didn't have to see anything except the finished product. Oh, I bet. I know. I've kind of fantasized about that. Like, man, if this was a show that actually made money and I could have a producer sitting here telling me, okay, that was good enough, quit filming that that line over and over and move on. And then if I could have someone else doing a lot of the editing and stuff so I don't have to see myself, this would be so much more fun. But it's still fun. I still love doing it. You renovated your set recently, too. I mean, recently as far as the episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I, after that first season, you know, when I was just sitting on that little wooden desk and stuff and, and just had some blue lights behind me, I just thought it, it was mostly because as I got through that first season, I learned more and more about editing and fig- setting up the lighting right and stuff. And I thought this, this looks, it's looking really good now. This crappy little set that I'm on, it, I, f- I just felt like the show had overgrown the set. Sure. And I thought if I'm actually going to continue this show as long as I feel like I'm going to with all the episodes I have planned and all the weird little storylines that are planned between the host and the cameraman and stuff, 
I thought, you know, I, I should really make the set look like this is a real legit show. Like I wanted it to have almost kind of that talk show feel. And that's why I've got the couch next to the desk, which no one will probably ever sit on. But, uh, well, except us when we come out and, you know, guest eventually. Oh man, that, that would be neat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I it, the, the couch is open. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys ever find <laughs> yourselves in eastern Iowa for some weird reason, there you go. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Otherwise, in the meantime, I figure that the couch will be a good prop for the show. Like, I'll uh, when I do uh, when I start doing episodes on like the the Terminator comic books, I'll probably film those instead of sitting at the desk. I'll probably be laying on the couch reading the comic books and talking about them or stuff like that. You know. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Do you have so speaking of comic books? Do you have a favorite piece of T two memorabilia that you own? Do Do you have a favorite out of all of the nine hundred plus stuff you got? <laughs> you know that's tough because it uh... Terminator you know, two fighting knife. Let's go. Oh yeah, that's really the one Tanner's excited about. Yeah, hey. I, I've got it right here <laughs> next. I was just filming. Uh... So I, I I have tons of stuff filmed that no one's ever seen yet because I've had a few people ask me – sorry, this is not an answer to your question, but since you mentioned the knife, I've had a lot of people ask me if I had a Patreon because they're like, you know, I'd love to support the show. And I was like, wow, really? That blows my mind that you'd want to actually give money to this stupid thing. But but it, it, it certainly touches me and warms my heart that people feel that way. So I thought someday if I ever do a Patreon, I want to do it right. And I want to have plenty of content to be able to put out regardless of how busy I get. So honestly, since I filmed the very first episode of the show, I have been filming a lot of like behind the scenes stuff. I've saved tons of my outtakes and bloopers where I not only mess up my lines, but sometimes get legitimately mad at myself. When I see it later, it's embarrassing, but I'm like, okay, somebody's going to find this funny. So I'm going to save this stuff. All the packages that I get off of eBay... I don't just get them in the mail and I open them. I put them on a pile, and once I get so big of a pile, I start the camera, and I sit here, and I don't even remember what I've gotten by then because the packages have been sitting there so long, and it's kind of like Christmas, and I just go through and I, I open those packages with the audience that doesn't exist yet because I figure someday if I ever – if the show does get big enough to do a Patreon, now I'll have tons of content that I can reliably put out, and I'll never, I won't be disappointing those people That's who want to give a buck or two a month, you know? So that's why this knife is sitting on the desk because this is a part of every one of those what I call mail call episodes where we open packages. I use the knife to destroy those packages. Mm. But uh, well, hey, thank you for pulling it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I love I love throwing that sound in there, and I love when people catch that and mention it in the comments. The comment section to me is like my favorite part of this show because it every episode, like I mentioned before, when I feel like okay, this one sucks. This is the one that's going to turn people away. When they start making comments about how they enjoyed it, just it, it it brings me up again and it makes me feel like, okay, I want to keep doing this. And then I dive into the next episode and work myself down into a hole again. But uh, but yeah, so as far as favorite piece of memorabilia, um, the knife is definitely one of them just because it's so it's such a fun, weird. I mean, they made a knife for this movie and they also made action figures <laughs> and a coloring book. A knife and a color. <laughs> no, yeah, um, but uh, it's it's hard because um, so many things that I have I like for different reasons. So like uh, the tape collection, I, I I really like because of the way it shows. You know, it represents the world and all these different cultures and all these different people that all love this same movie. But then things like you know, 
yeah, the knife obviously is fun. And uh, um, the uh, some of the stuff that I showed on the, the episode about the Hollywood premiere, um, like the, the little invitation to the cast and crew, mm-hmm. that was just a fluke thing that I got really lucky to get for a, a decent price on eBay. And so I like that because it's it's kind of one of those things that you're not really supposed to have yeah. because it was just for the crew. And yeah, I don't know. I, if I had to pick one thing, I think that would I think that would be tough. Uh, honestly, some of my favorite stuff might not even be physical items, but like when I when I interviewed the, the main guy who did all the talking during the Cigar Biker episode, the guy who was his best friend, uh, Tom Pearson, he sent me uh, all of the personal photos of Robert Winley, the cigar biker actor, were all from him. He scanned all of those and sent wow. them to me. So those digital scans of those pictures are some of my favorite things because it's a really personal mm. thing that somebody yeah. was nice enough to send me, you know? Um, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I'm not so much into... Uh, like, an autograph from Arnold Schwarzenegger would be really cool. But for me, it's it's some of those smaller things. Like... Uh, for example, the cigar biker um, actor, I found on eBay a while back a matchbook that was promoting a stage play that he was in in Los Angeles, like in the the early 80s, I think, When You're Coming Back, Red Rider. And he was the main actor in it. Oh, wow. And on one side of the matchbook, it says, When You're Coming Back, Red Rider. And on the back, it says, Robert Winley knows. And nobody even knew his name. So it blows my mind that they put that that actor's name on there. But... To me, it's one of those weird little obscure things that I've never seen anywhere else. And so I, I just kind of feel like I have something special there that not a lot of people know about. So those kind of odd little things are what I really uh, sometimes appreciate more than like the big stuff, you know? That's really neat. Well, here. Michael and I both uh, consider Terminator 2 to be a near-perfect movie. I guess uh, you're such a fan of it, Casey. Is there is there any... I guess criticism you can think of of the movie or anything that they could have done better. There's only one and it's really small. It doesn't matter, but it, it started to stick out to me a little bit just in recent years. It never bothered me years ago when uh, John realizes they're standing in that parking lot and he realizes that like this Terminator is his and it has to do what he says and stuff. And he says, prove it, stand on one foot. He stands on one foot and he's like, wow, you know, that doesn't bother me. Like it, bo- it bothers some people that that's all it took to convince him. And to me, it's like, well, he's a kid, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so that doesn't bother me. It's right afterward when John says, cool, my own Terminator. Wow. And the way that he delivers that just doesn't <laughs> seem quite realistic. Like he seems to me, Edward Furlong <laughs> seems, uh, he seems a little bit tired there. I, I, I have a feeling he was probably exhausted and that was probably the third or fourth time, and, and Cameron was like, okay, that, that's good enough. Let's move on. But it's only in recent years I've noticed that, and that little part there, it just, I don't know, it just kind of sticks out to me. <laughs> if that's the only criticism, and I'm, I'm really picky. I've gotten even more picky over in recent <laughs> years. Thanks to some movies like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, it makes superhero movies so much harder to appreciate because that's just so damn good. So I've gotten really picky about movies over the years. And so if that's the only thing I can come up with in T2, then I would agree that it's a pretty perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Do you have another favorite James Cameron movie besides Terminator 2 and obviously the Terminator? Um, You know, believe it or not, I I know this sounds insane, but uh, I haven't seen True Lies. I haven't either. Really? (laughs) No. Yeah, I, and I, I saw it for the first time recently. Get, it's very good. Really? And it's also Brad of, Fidel in that one too. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other reason I want to see it. Yeah. We're going to cover it on the show at some point. Oh, that'd be so you guys are going to eventually kind of branch into more just kind of some general James Cameron stuff too. Eventually. Yeah, probably like specialty episodes now and then, not not for good, but yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I haven't seen True Lies and I haven't seen The Abyss. That looks like it would be oh. right up the alley. It looks like an amazing movie. You'd love The Abyss. It's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I would. And, you know, especially since the, that CGI is what led to making the yep. T-1000 possible, I, I feel like an idiot that I haven't seen it. But So um, that being said, obviously Aliens is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Titanic is fantastic. But between the two, I mean, I would probably choose to watch Aliens a little more often just because, you know, I, I love sci-fi. So that's just a little more up my alley. But yep. Um, but you know, Titanic of course is terrific. Once I got old enough to get past the whole, like, Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio and it's a chick flick. And when I got a little older, I really started to appreciate Titanic more. And I love that movie. Yeah. So probably between those two. So definitely not Avatar. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really excited for Avatar too, only because it's James Cameron. He has an incredible track record with sequels. That is true. The way that I look at Avatar two I'm so excited to see it. I don't even, I'm not necessarily anticipating it being a great movie that I'm going to love, but it's either going to be an amazing movie because if they're putting this God, much time and money into it, it either has to be incredible or it has to make Hollywood history as one of the greatest disasters of all time. Right. So I'm really excited to be a part of it either way. I'm really excited <laughs> to see it. I mean, the way I, I mean, it, just, it has to be good. If it's not like this is, well, the trailers make it look at least visually amazing. And, I mean, that's always been his strong suit. The visuals have always been amazing in James Cameron movies. That's just, like, his trademark, right? But yeah, Avatar itself, I don't think, holds up as well now. Especially in this age that we're in, post, you know, Avengers Endgame and all of that. But you mean visually? Visually, yes. Yes. I haven't and, seen it since it was in theaters, but um, I've... Actually, you know what? I was uh, I was taking care of a patient a little while back, and he was watching it in his room. And I do remember thinking, "Wow, this this looks a little bit more soft and kind of yeah. cartoony than what I remember." So but the new one looks very crisp. I mean, I just I was just at uh, what movie did we see? We saw Thor: Love and Thunder last night, and the trailer one of the trailers beforehand was for Avatar: The Way of Water or whatever it's called. And um, oh my gosh, it just looked amazing on the screen. I, I and I said to my wife after I said. You know, I don't really care about Avatar that much, but I kind of want to see that movie in the theater. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. I, I definitely want to go see it in the theater on the big screen the way that he intends for people to see it. And I'm kind of looking at it as uh, whether you like the original or not, that was hopefully just a setup and an introduction to what is going to be an incredible world that we're going to explore with the next avatar films. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah. You know, we'll see if that's what it ends up being, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued by what that movie is going to be. Well, I think with that, um, that's all the questions that we have for you, Casey. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was really exciting. Anytime that somebody asked me to actually be on their show, it, it's it's really weird for me because I just I, I don't know, but I love it. Like it, it it makes me feel like okay, I must be doing something right, and so I'm really honored. And you know, I've been a fan of you guys' podcast since you started it. So for you guys then to actually want me to share airtime with you guys is 
it's pretty cool. It's an honor for me. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. And you don't have to edit it, which is great. Yeah, I get wow. I can kind of just wipe my hands and walk away from this and be done. That's kind of neat. We're we're both fans of your show as well. We really appreciate what you're doing, and uh, yeah, it's something I'm going to keep watching and enjoying um, for the future as well. Yeah, keep oh, well, it thank up. You. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I and and the way that I kind of always looked at this show, like uh, you know, I have no aspirations of making money from it ever. Honestly, it's just a passion project. I have a job. You know, we I feel the same way. Yeah. And so honestly, and, and like, even when it comes to subscribers, I don't care if I have a hundred thousand people watching this, if they're people who I don't really get much interaction with or anything, I care about the, the quality viewers who like are leaving comments and, and interacting afterwards. I'd rather have a hundred people watch it who really love it and like, you know, engage with it than have a hundred thousand people watch it who I don't really hear from. And so yeah, it, it sounds like we 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 both kind of approach our projects the same way. Absolutely, um, Casey. Where can people find you online, and when is the next episode of T for Two coming out? Uh, everything is at T for Two Show, T F O R the number two S H O W all one word. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, not Facebook anymore. Uh, Facebook got rid of the T for two page because uh, they didn't like seeing a screenshot from the movie of Robert Patrick's naked butt. Oh no. <laughs> so that was that I, I posted vulgar nudity and now I don't know, <laughs> but I don't mind. Cause honestly uh, that was here. I'm, I'm taking up more of you guys' time, but uh, the Facebook page was kind of a hassle because if you post any kind of exterior links on Facebook, they suppress it a lot. Right. If I posted someone's artwork for my fan art Fridays that I always do on my social medias, I always share someone's fan art. Well, I haven't for a while now because I've been busy, but um, those get a ton of interactions and people share them and they really like them. If I post, hey, I got this new episode out. I think you guys will enjoy it. Here's the link. You know, like a dozen people might react to it. And I finally learned it's because Facebook is like, oh, this this post might send people away from Facebook. We're going to make sure that like only 20% of the normal people will see it. So I, I honestly don't mind that my Facebook got shut down. So anyway, to get back on topic, at T for Two Show on uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, I think I enjoy Twitter the most, even though I haven't been using it as much lately just because I've been so busy. But I feel like that's the easiest to really interact with people and stuff. But uh, but the Instagram is fun too. As far as when the next episode is going to come out, I just I hope really soon – I know it won't be really soon as in like within the next like couple weeks, but I hope within like the next month or so I can get it done. The The vast majority of it is done and edited together. I just have a few like little pickup shots that I have to film. One of them involves going out to my parents' house for this short, just for this like two second thing that's going to be in it. But uh, there's a few little things like that that I have to find time to go film and then chop those into it and stuff. So hopefully within the next few weeks or so, and then after that, once I'm doing smaller topics, I really hope to be able to get back to putting out at least one a month. My ultimate dream would be to have one out like every other week. Yeah. We'll see if someday I can get back to that. I was kind of doing That's that. That's how we feel too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. nice to have some kind of consistency and regularity. I was kind of doing that at first, but then I sabotaged myself as I learned more about editing and found more things I can do and more th things I could work into it. 
you know, the, where those first ones, I was chopping together the footage, sticking in some music, and maybe putting in one or two little graphics. Now there's just so much more that I, I'm putting into it, and yeah. it, it, I love the way it turns out, but it just takes so much more time. Yeah, I totally get that. So, guys, follow Casey on Instagram, follow him on Twitter, subscribe to T42 on YouTube. We got to get this guy going. We got to get more episodes. We're very excited. And more, anything more we can get on Terminator 2, you know, we are very excited about. So everybody go, uh, go subscribe and follow and check out his stuff. It's really well researched, really well detailed, and he puts a lot of love and time into it. So definitely check all that out. Uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, but this is me, Governor Schwarzenegger, and I just want to make sure to in, uh, exaggerate that comment by telling everyone to go do it now. Check it out. Subscribe. Follow the channel. Watch every episode. Do it now. Come on. Go. Okay. Hasta la vista. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We have been, it's been so great talking with Casey all about his show, T for Two. And as you're hearing now, there is new intro and outro music for our show brought to you by the rock artist Armstrong. So we're really grateful for him, really grateful for this new stuff. It sounds amazing. And we'll talk a little bit about it more on our next episode where we're also going to be talking about your fan mail, which I'm sure a lot of you wished we got to today. Um, but as you can see, this episode is running a bit long. So we'll get to that next time. Tanner, where can everybody find us? You can find us on our website at nofatepodcast.com. And we also have a Twitter at nofatepod. Pod. That's right. Yep. Because, because I know what our Twitter is. <laughs> <laughs> our podcast is also available on all the major uh, places you can find it. Uh, Spotify, Apple. Um, we're on all of those. So awesome. thank you for listening. Tune in next time. We're not covering Sarah Connor Chronicles on our next episode. We'll, we'll jump back into that afterwards, but we are going to get to the fan mail and talk about this video game. We're very excited. So um, thank you all so much for joining. And until next time. If you're listening to this, you are very Damn right. Um, <laughs>